Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Uh, we've titled this series, Rethinking Your Behavior. And I wonder what it would look like if some of the things that God is teaching us in Romans, that he's using Paul to teach us, if we rethought some of the things that we did, some of the ways that we do things. I wonder what kind of a testimony we would have as a, as a church. As a, I wonder what kind of testimony we'd have as an employer or an employee at a, at a place, as a, as a husband, a father, or a wife, or a friend. I wonder what kind of testimony we would have if we begin to say, God, I want to do the things that you're asking me to do. I want to obey the things you're asking me to do. Uh, but sometimes we have to kind of rethink some things. We've got to reevaluate. Somebody say reevaluate. We've got to reevaluate. And so um, I, look at, I look at chapter 14. and Man, I'm just so, I'm so encouraged to, to hear what Paul is saying and what he's doing. And I, I think that there is so much in Scripture that is very clear, right? There's so much in the Bible that is, there is absolutes. There is yeses and there is noes, but there are some things in here that there are not absolutes. There are some areas where we're like, God, what, what are you really trying to say? Because we're just, we're just not, we're not really sure. We, we, we know the absolutes. We know the things that we must obey that is truth, but there are some less important issues. You know, my dad always says there's the non-negotiables in the Bible, and then there are the negotiables. I think some of us are, are way too thankful for the negotiables. We're really too excited about the negotiables. And a lot of us preach the negotiable things, and we don't really focus on the non-negotiable things. And so I, I want to look at the positions that we take as an individual, the position that you take on some of these, non, or some of these negotiables and how, um, how really what's wrong about that, not the position you take, but what's wrong is the behavior towards the other position. What's, what's wrong isn't your stance that you have on these negotiable things. What's wrong is how you act and behave and respond to other people that have a different position than you. You know, my position is right. Your position is wrong. It's my job to convince you otherwise. That'd be wrong. Your position is right. So is my position is right. Let's just leave it at that. And so I just, uh, I wonder if our behavior towards the other side has not only brought confusion to people's spiritual journeys, but it's also brought judgment on ourselves. So if you're taking notes, I've titled this Rethinking Our Behavior Towards Disagreements. Somebody say disagreements. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. And God, uh, today, these next few moments, would you just encourage us to look at your word and would you speak? Not myself, but would you speak and would you constantly, like you've always done for my entire life, anytime the word is spoken, it is encouraging, it is challenging, it is convicting, but it is also life-changing. And so I pray for people who are maybe far from you today, watching in online. I pray for those who are in here, maybe for the very first time. I pray that through your word and through the words that you've given Paul to speak in Romans 14, that you would change us, challenge us, and allow us to see you in a new way. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We have any ones who like to argue a lot in the room? We got any people that just love, man, you just, you just, you just are all, you're all about it. You know, I think uh, there, there are some stances that we take when it comes to things like, man, the, the book is just way better than the movie. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, that may be subjective. And uh, people who say the movie is better than the book probably haven't read the book. 
Um, you know, if, if Michael Jordan played in the NBA today, he would be way better than LeBron James. In fact, if they went one-on-one, who would win? I think that's kind of like we're just unsure. Uh, this may be a reference that some of you get. Um, I have done the research, the calculations, and I do believe that there was room on that door for Jack. Amen. And, uh, and in the Titanic, come on, somebody, come on. We're, we're already preaching. He could have been saved. That could have been another soul saved for the kingdom of God. You know, just, there, there was room for Jack on... And uh, so, we, you know, we have these arguments that many of us take, many of us take positions, and, and the truth is that we're really not going to get anywhere, right? We could present our facts, we could present our evidence, but um, we're not going to come to an agreement ever, so you can be right, and I can be right. Why? Because of one thing, somebody say convictions. Convictions. We all have convictions, and our convictions, if different than someone else's, could lead to some disagreements, some battles, some fights, some social media uh, uh, conversations that aren't edifying to anybody in, uh, that's watching and anybody around. So I want to remind you that, you know, we're not talking about the things that God addresses specifically in his word. We're not talking about the, the non-negotiables, the, the church doctrine, the things that, are, that God explicitly says in his scripture. Behaviors that he explicitly forbids that we a lot of times compromise. And uh, God is saying you can't be compromising despite how you feel or how you feel convicted about that. That's not what we're talking about. We we are talking about the things here that Paul is addressing, the non-essentials. The questions that we don't have answers for, the the things that aren't so clear-cut in this book, the things that many professors and pastors wrestle with today. The things that you're just like, I don't really know, but I I think I know, but I, I just I just don't really know. And so, so what do we do? What's our response? What's our, what's our positioning to all of this? Look at verse 1 in the book of Romans. I know usually I read passages before I pray, and I usually start off with Scripture right away, but I'm going to read 19 verses, okay? So I'm going to read, and I'm going uh, to teach and read and teach. Look at verse 1. It says, except, somebody say except. Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Now, first off, Paul is dealing with an issue that has arisen in the church, believers disagreeing with each other. They're fighting with each other on things that really don't matter. And, and, and Paul's like, listen, guys, this is ridiculous. This is silly. It's like my kids fighting over something that's just it's stupid. It's meaningless. I'm like, are we really fighting over something right now? There's no room for this. Like, like come on, we can, somebody said we can do better. We can do better. And so he's dealing with these believers who are disagreeing about things, and he addresses the strong in faith. And when he references the strong in faith, he's, he's talking about, he could be talking about the mature believers, the seasoned believers, but he's really referring to those who, who uh, um, are understanding of, of the freedoms and the liberties that they have in Christ. When he talks about the strong in faith, it's those who understand those freedoms. And when he references the weak in faith, he's really talking about um, not necessarily the new believer, but those who have a tendency to be more legalistic in their approach to things of God. More of like a, a little more strict. You know, they're a little more like, this, this is how it's done. This is how I see it. Like, uh, so, so we're talking about the disputable matters. Other translations would say the doubtful things. Maybe you could even say opinions. And everybody's got opinions. Everybody has opinions. Can I give you some truth today? Maybe you can write this down. Not everybody sees things the way you see them. Not everybody sees things the way you see them. I told you the pillows go here on the side of the couch. 
Not everybody sees the, the way, sees the things the way that you see them. I, the dishes have got to be washed before we put them in the dishwasher. Come on, who's on my side? Who's on my side? You, you can't put dirty dishes in a dishwater and expect a robot to do the things that God has given you to do. So you wash them and the dishwasher just purifies them. So, so you may be right, I may be right. The, the, to the toilet paper roll, can we just settle this right here? We're gonna set some people free today. The toilet paper roll goes over. Not, hallelujah, baby, come on, let's go. Come on. Somebody, somebody, woo. Uh, amen, you're dismissed. All right, see you next week. The, so there's just things, you know, my, my wife and I, she just gets upset at me. Um, you know, I, when I make sandwiches or I make burgers, I just put all the sauces on the bottom before I put the patty on top. I, I just do that. I saw Five Guys does it. And Five Guys is, is the, the, you know, if Chick-fil-A is the, the chicken of heaven, then Five Guys is the meat of heaven, you know, right there on top of So, So like, I just, that's how they do it. I do it. I just put everything in the bottom. And she's like, what are you, what are you doing that? That's not how you do it. You put the, the meat first and then you put everything on top. I'm like, that's, that's not how you do it. You put the ketchup first. You put the, whatever you put, mayonnaise or mustard. Then, then, then you put the, then you put, that's how you do it. That's what the scripture says, I think. <laughs> so there, there's so many things that, that, that we can argue about all day, but we can just really agree to, to disagree. But there are things to stand our ground, church. Come on, there are things that we need to be able to go back to this, this book and say, no, scripture says otherwise. There is no compromising in this area. I will make a stance because this is what God's word says. There are some things, but we're not talking about those things today, okay? We're talking about the things, the disputable matters. We're talking about the, the opinions. And, and Paul talks about three of them. He talks about what you can't eat and what you can't eat. He talks about what day you should worship on and what you shouldn't worship on. And he talks about uh, drinking. He really expands on the first two, and he kind of briefly mentions the third. So let's look at verse uh, two. Let's talk about this, all right? Chapter 14, verse two. He says, one person's faith, or another, one person's faith journey, one person's personal or spiritual convictions allows them to eat anything. Yeah. Hey, and everybody said amen. <laughs> but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Come on, where are my vegetable lovers at? Let's go. I'm all about vegetables. Just douse it in ranch and I'll eat it. As long as I don't taste the vegetable, I'm good. You know, so he says the one who, in verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat anything or everything must not ju judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. So to the strong who understands the freedoms and the liberties that they have in Christ... You're not to despise the weaker. And, and the weaker, the one who's more convicted on things and has decided because of various reasons, because of various experience or past times, they have decided to stand strong on these convictions. You are not to judge. The stronger in the faith does not despise the weaker in the faith. The weaker in the faith does not judge the stronger. We're all on a different journey. Come on, tell somebody next to you, your walk is different than my walk. Your convictions are different than my convictions. So we're all on this journey, and it's all different. But look at verse 4. It just keeps going because Paul's like, just enough of the arguing about all this. He says, who, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Come on, how many are you thankful 
that the Lord is able to make you stand. So it doesn't matter if I eat Taco Bell late at night. Don't judge me. I always feel judged when I'm in fast food lines, all right? I just balance it out by going to the gym. That's it. I just eat fast food all day and I work out some days, you know? Just... So don't judge me because I, I don't answer to you. You don't answer to me. But you know who I do answer to? You know who we do answer to? That is God. I just think we've allowed so many people to dictate us and our attitudes. We've allowed so many people's opinions and convictions to alter what we believe or what we think. In fact, I love what Warren Wearsby said. It is encouraging to know that our success in the Christian life does not depend on the opinions or attitudes of other Christians. Amen. Come on. God is the judge and he is able to make us stand. In fact, Aubrey, can you put that back on the screen? I want to read it. Look, look what it says. It is encouraging to know that our success in a Christian life does not depend on the opinions or attitudes of other people, other Christians. God is the judge. Come on, somebody say he is the judge. And he is able to make us stand. It's not my place to tell you what you can and can't eat. And, and the dis- disputable things, right? And the, we have to understand the context of what's going on, and I'll get there. But it's not my place because you know the division that we've caused in churches? The harm that we have caused in people's lives because We've allowed our our personal convictions that we stand by to infiltrate the decisions and their convictions. They understood the freedoms. They understood the liberties. They they were good. They were mature. They were seasoned. And so here we are judging. Here we are are despising. Tell somebody next to you, we got to do better. Come on, we got to do better. It doesn't matter if if you're eating this or or drinking that. We have to do better. Look at verse 5. It says, one person considers... One day more sacred than the other. He goes now to talk about the Sabbath, the day that you worship on. You know, many people worship on Saturdays. Many worship on Sundays. And there are some strange people that worship on Mondays. But there are, there are some of those. I know they are. So, uh, so, you know, he's talking about this now. Whoever regards one day as special does so. Sorry, I think I'm, I skipped verse 6. Verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than the other. But another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own minds. We start to really talk about the conscience and, and, and our convictions and the things that play a big part. But you know what plays a bigger part in all of this is what he says in verse 6. Because whatever you do, whatever you drink, whatever you eat, whatever day you choose to be holy, look what it says in verse 6. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so, I don't care if it's fake meat, I do it to the Lord. I don't care if it's sacrificed meat, I do it to the Lord because they give thanks to God and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Now in the context, you have to understand, like people weren't gonna eat the meat that was sacrificed. And so they said, we're not gonna eat that, we're just gonna eat, we're gonna eat vegetables. Many people said, well, we only worship on Saturday, so you can't really worship on any other days. And some people were like, I'm just going to worship on any day I want. Well, you can't do that. What do you mean I can't do that? God is everywhere. I can worship God anywhere. Now, we understand the, the importance of church. We understand the importance of community. But maybe some can't make church on Sunday. So where do they worship? Where is their community? You're going to tell them that they're, they're living in sin because the 9 to 5 job that they have will, will not allow them to show up on church on Sundays? I pray that their schedule would change. But I do pray that they find a church service that's held on another day. I pray that they have a community. They have a Bible teaching community that they can flourish in and grow and learn and be kept accountable. But we can't say, oh, because you don't go in church on Saturdays or you don't go in church on Sundays, that you're in the wrong. 
You, you don't understand all of this. No, they have, they have a set of convictions, and, and so do we. So what will help us behave the way that God has intended us to behave? I want to give you two things. Number one, if you're taking notes, because we are note takers, especially if we want to get into heaven. Number one, <laughs> what's going to help us behave the way that God has intended us to behave? And I, I joke about that, but I'm, I'm a note taker. I'm an avid note taker. When, when my dad, our senior pastor, is up here preaching, I am. I'm not up in the front texting. I'm up in the front taking notes. And I promise you, I'm probably taking more notes than you. I just, I just, I want it all. So then when I go home later or the next week and I'm like, what did my dad say? I can go right back and I can look at it. And then I can start thinking about it. So, so I take notes because I'm going to forget about it. And then as soon as I write it down, I remember it. And then I can go back to it so I don't ever forget it. Amen? Amen. That's why we take notes. So number one, understanding our differences. Understanding our differences. Let's talk about that for a moment. You know, we, we all have different convictions. We all are at a different pace in life. Um, you know, we, we all have different, we're, di- we're in different seasons of our life. Some of us are empty nesters. Amen. One day. Some of us are, got little kids running around the house. Our schedules are different. Things change. We're in different seasons. We're in different paces. Our prayer life is different. Our faith is different. How we deal with stress is different. But the question is, what kind of approach are you taking the things that really don't matter, the things that aren't really worth arguing about. What's going on in this chapter? Paul is really framing this two ways, that the strong Christian and the weak Christian approaching the uh, disputable things and having arguments that are causing division in the church, division in the, division in the community of believers. So, so, so what happens? So what I want to do is I want to kind of hold off on chapter 14, and I want to take a 30,000-step take a view of, of what Christian faith and what a lot of people tend to take things to the extreme, but I need some help. Alex, can I have you and Mark? Can you come up here? Um, there, there's something called liberalism and legalism in the church world. All right, Mark, I'm going to have you stand, stand right here. And that, everybody say, what's up, Mark? Why are you going to be bigger than me, man? I shouldn't have chose you. <laughs> and this is Alex over here. Everybody say, what's up, Alex? Alex. By the way, these, these two are great golfers, but not as good as me. But they're great golfers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, I've just golfed with them a couple times. We have a lot of fun. You know, so, so there's two sides of, of, of our approach to a lot of this. And, and to the extreme, we can, we can side on legalism or we can side on liberalism. And we have to be very careful, all right? So um, you're going to represent my, my liberal in the faith, all right? Mark, Mark's going to be our, our liberal and Alex is going to be our legalist in the faith, all right? So I don't know why I'm just saying that. I'm not, not nothing about it. I'm just choosing them. And so what tends to happen is many of us who are on this faith journey, reading, discovering, many, maybe seasoned in the faith, maybe immature in the faith, and we're learning, we're listening, we're, we're trying to figure this out. And so over here we got legalism. And it's really taking what God's word says, and it's kind of stamping and adding our, our beliefs and our convictions on it. And a, a lot of times the legalists in the faith will, will try to convince the liberal in the faith that, or anybody else in the faith that they need to change. And so Alex is over here thinking, well, you know what? Um, um, this is what I believe, and so this is, what, this is what you believe. This is what you should believe. I, I, I don't drink, and neither should you. In fact, Alex might even say that drinking's a sin because he's very legalistic in his approach. But to Alex, that may be okay because of what Alex has been through and what he's seen. And so, but, he try, but sometimes he tries to the extreme. He tries to force his agenda onto the, to the liberal or onto anybody else. This is how I feel. Alex also probably has a heavy focus on works. I must do and I must obey. And so, ne- so now we get to, to Mark over here. 
And Mark's, Mark's the liberal. He, he understands the freedoms that he has, but he takes it to the extreme. All right? he, he doesn't start to add. He starts to take away. He's like, well, I want a little bit of that, a little bit of that, but, man, I don't want this. <laughs> I sure don't want to follow that. So, uh, so Mark starts to um, intertwine the Bible, the word of God, with what culture says, with what the world says, with what he's experiencing, or really with how he feels. And so now Mark has got this whole thing of we don't know what it is. But he, he's, he's more liberal in his approach to his faith. He's not necessarily trying to shove his agenda on the, on the legalists or anybody else. He, you know, he would say, oh, you don't watch the movies I watch? <laughs> man, that's, that's a bummer for you, man. I watch whatever I watch. I do whatever I want. And, uh, you know, both now to the extreme, we have Mark and we have, we have Alex. And now even Mark is saying, well, there's really, there's really with all that I've learned, there's, there's multiple ways now to God. So he, this is to the extreme again. So we have Mark, we have Alex, we have the legalist, we have the, the liberal. And so just imagine with me for a moment, you're on this journey here, and you're, you're trying to figure this out, and, and you're walking, right? There's a path that we are walking. And you start to drift towards the, the liberal side of things. And you start to say and hear messages like, God accepts me for who I am. I don't need to, I don't need to change. God accepts me for, what I, for, for just being me, and God is good. And now I start to live a life that in this acceptance, but what, what I've stopped talking about is repentance. I've stopped talking about sin. I've stopped talking about the things that really God is wanting me to hear and God is wanting me to see. Because I've just been so focused on, 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 on just being me and being accepted that I've now drifted towards lawless immorality. And that's, this is Mark, this is the liberal. But maybe, and, and, and I've, been, I've, I've been here and there are certain things at times where I, I, I probably am over here and, and I need, and God is, God is bringing me back here. Because, because there are others that drift over here, right, to, the, to Alex's side. And, and they say things like, God accepts me for what I do. God accepts me because I obey. God accepts me because I just, I just am so good in the faith. In fact, Alex is even convinced that he's not even sure if he has a ticket into heaven. And because he's not sure that he has a ticket into heaven, what does Alex do? He just, he just does more. He tries to do more. He tries to become more strict. He tries to enforce his convictions on everybody and anybody else that he sees. Because he's, he's afraid that if he doesn't keep every single rule and doesn't force his ideology or theology on anybody and everybody else, that he's not going to make it into eternity. But, but there's, there's somewhere in the middle here. Because I, I, I've been here before. I, I, I get this, and I get this. And I'll even quote you some scripture, right? Titus 3, 5. This is what I would say if I'm over here with Mark. I would say, oh, he saved us not because of the righteous things that I've done, but because of his mercy. And, and I love that passage. And so I, I get this. It doesn't matter what I do from now on. I'm just thankful for the mercy of God. In fact, it wasn't because of what I've done. But, but now I, I get this over here with Alex because Paul says in Romans chapter 1 or 6, verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on and keep sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. He says, we are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in sin any longer? So I, I, I get that, and I side with this. But, but there's, there's a problem when we fail to, to remain here in the middle because if I go to the extreme of grace, I have completely forgotten about truth. I'm all about grace. Doesn't matter what you do. Pastor said, you don't got to shape up to show up. But he forgot to tell you that when you show up, you're going to change. 
and you're going to change, and it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to hurt, and it's not going to be fun. pastor said, I just need to show up, so here I am, and it's been 20 years. I'm living a life of sin, but I'm entering the kingdom of heaven when I die. Grace. You've forgotten about truth, but over here, all you see is truth. I've got to keep doing. I've got to keep trying. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep working, and I've forgotten about grace. I've forgotten by, by grace I am saved. I've, I've forgotten that Jesus loves me, has a plan for me, and despite all my sin and all my failures and all my efforts, there's nothing that I can do to cause God to love me more, but there's nothing I can do to cause, that will that, cause God to love me any less. So it's somewhere, come on, somebody say in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. We preach, I got to do more. We preach, I got to do less. You have to, you have to obey. Churches take this approach. If a legalist church is afraid of liberalism, they're just going to say, obey, obey, obey. But if a liberal church is afraid of legalism, they're going to say, um, you, gotta, you matter. And, uh, you know, it's, it's fine. It's, you're accepted. You're accepted. Come on. You belong here. You belong here. But it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Paul says it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, for I have resolved to know nothing that while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Th that's, that's it. If I'm over here too much, I've forgotten about truth. If I'm over here, I've forgotten about grace. Both are true. But here in the middle, the one thing that I need to focus on is the fact that God loves me. He died on a cross for me. And it's by his crucifixion that I am saved, church. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Mark. So somewhere, somewhere here in the middle. Now, I want, I want to get to our position in just a second, but I, I want to. I want to give you one other illustration. Again, I'm looking at the 30,000-foot view of Christianity and how many people have approached it. And we, we've seen it. And, I, and I've been more on the legalist side of things that I really have convictions about that I'm not really sure. But then I've been over here where it's like, I don't really know what Scripture says, so sure. You know, and, and I, want to be, I want to be careful to kind of be here in the middle. But do me a favor. Open up, stick up both your hands, and, and I want you to close one. You know, th this, will help, this will help you because it helped me. You know, in the open hand, we, we hold things like uh, church philosophy. You know, times that we meet, days we meet, things that we eat, styles of worship. You know, this would, this would be the, the negotiables, the, maybe the non-essentials, the things that we don't really have clear-cut answers to. Um, and then the close hand would represent the things that um, are non-negotiable, church doctrine. The fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he died, that he was, that he was risen from the grave. Things like the Trinity, things that there's, there's no, no compromising here. And what begins to happen is if we open up the, the closed hand, we, we get liberalism. And if we close the open hand, we get legalism. The, the non-negotiables, um, if I open that and I hold that too loosely, now, now, I, now, I, now I just... I've opened up the door for sin and compromising to come in, and now I've, now I've become more liberal. If I, if I close the things that are negotiables, and I hold tight to them, and I don't let anybody mess with them or touch them because of what I believe, I've now become a legalist. And so we're, we're in this journey of trying to figure out, God, who, you know, what, what do we prioritize? What do we not prioritize? What do we hold tightly, and what do we hold loosely? Because I want to tell you, church, the things of God, I'm, I'm holding tightly. I'm not backing down. I'm not letting anybody tell me otherwise. I know what I believe. I know what God's word said is true. I'm going to hold that tightly, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to fight for it, even if it causes me to die. But the things that are not worth dying for, the things that are not worth you know, arguing for and upsetting people, I'm just going to hold loosely because it doesn't matter. Because you could be right, and I could be right. 
And uh, why do we want to stir up some division and send people away? When, 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 when this is happening in this time and now it's happening today, we need to hold the things that are tight, tight, and we need to hold the things that we're supposed to hold loosely, loosely. We need to take him at his word. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 55 that I love, and it's, it's showing the result of the word of God. And he starts off with saying in verse 10, it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I have sent it. You know, the, the way God thinks isn't the way you think. The way God works isn't the way you work. And I look at the things that have purpose, rain and snow. What does it result in? Growth. And I look at the word of God, the words that have purpose, the words that have meaning, the words, the words of God, all which have that. What does it result in? Growth. And so I see a few things here that if I, if I hold loosely the things that are certain, that I know will happen, I find myself disagreeing and arguing with, with, with God, and he's very clear on that. And so I have to stop. And if I try and hold tightly the things that we aren't so sure of, that maybe we don't know its purpose yet. Maybe we haven't been given those answers yet. Maybe it's, how, how, do, I, how do I really raise a family? How, how, what, what day do I really go to church? What kind of meat do I eat? Do I not drink? Do I not? What, what, what? And I hold those, those two things, and God's like, I, I never really intended. I, sometimes I just think God is up there laughing at us, like, <laughs> This is funny, just trying to, trying to figure out what, 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 what they think is true or not. I know the answer. God's like, I know the answer. Just when you get to heaven, I'll tell you. But right now, just have some fun. This is fun. But don't argue, you know. Don't do that because that's not just you believe something and you believe something. You'll both be right. And let's stop fighting. Amen. And so I, I just wonder if, if we would, you know, remember, the first thing I said is, is understanding our differences. And I think understanding is a big word because it doesn't just acknowledge differences, but it kind of steps into those differences. You know, there are many people that disagree with you, and uh, you have no idea why. And you just think, oh, I just, they just disagree with me because they don't like me. But you have no idea where they're coming from. You have no idea the story that God has been writing in their life. And so what do we do? We kind of step into their story. We dig a little bit deeper. Hey, well, you know, why do you not do that? Why do you avoid these things? I'm curious to know what, what, what your reasoning is. Not because I want to judge you or despise you, but I want to learn about you. And this is the growth, right? This is the purpose. This is being intentional. It grows the weak and it grows the strong in the faith. And so it's important for us to understand our differences, to step into those differences, rather than arguing or trying to convert somebody's stance on a minor issue, on a negotiable issue, you accept it because it's not wrong for them. Look at the second one. We must understand our position. Look at verse 10. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with content? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. For it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us 
will give an account of ourselves to God. So to, to the strong believer, those who know the freedoms and liberties, don't, don't despise or don't judge. And, and to the weak who hold strict, more strict to the things of God, don't, don't despise or, or judge the others. Because you're both going to be judged. In fact, you can write this down. Our position is at the judgment seat of Christ. That's our position. It's, it's the same thing when an athlete steps onto the, the podium to be judged for what they did and what they didn't do. They're not judged based upon what somebody else did. I mean, I mean, God, God, do you know that? Do you see them over there? They, they drink. Do, do you see what they do over there? They're watching these things. Do you see them over there? They're, they're doing all these things, God. And they're not holding, they're not holding firm to, the, to my convictions and what I believe, God. God's like, they're going to be judged. You're going to be judged. The good news is we're not, we're not accountable for other people's things. We're not accountable to other people's mistakes. We're not accountable to other people's convictions. I'm not held accountable and responsible for what other people do. Church, that is good news. But you got to be held accountable to what you do and the things that you step into and the mistakes that you make. And so we have to be careful to understand that our position isn't in somebody else's judgment seat. Our position is in our judgment seats. And so, so I, I, I don't dedicate my life to disagreeing with people and arguing with people on the questionable things in this Christian life. But, but can, I also, can I also say this? I want to maybe step on some toes here for just a second. Um, you know those people that you don't really like because they disagree with you? They're Christians, but you just have a hard time with? You're just like, I wish evil upon them, you know? Um, God blesses the people that you disagree with. God blesses the people that you disagree with. God blesses those in the faith, those who are Christians that you disagree with, that you don't agree with their philosophy, the way they do things, the way they handle their family, the way they believe, the way they worship, the way they pray. You don't, that's not it. God is blessing them. Amen? God is blessing them. And so I'm going to be held accountable for what I do, not for what they do. And I pray God will bless me, but I have to know that God is probably blessing, blessing them. Your position is that the judgment seed of Christ, But we can't stop there because um, we, we can't remain there. Because our, our position um, doesn't just acknowledge where we're at, but our position has some action. Our position has a, has a response. And this is what it says in verse 13, Romans 14, verse 13. He says, therefore, somebody say therefore. Now, now that we've heard all this right here, you know, don't, don't judge somebody because of what they, uh, uh, don't judge somebody because of what they eat. And I know I didn't hit the drinking part. I, I, I skipped that. He mentions drinking in verses 17 and 21. And he, he's like, well, why is that causing you to sin if somebody, somebody else is, is, is drinking? Or why, why are you thinking that you're not allowed to or you have to abstain from it? He says, the things that matter to God and I'll get to um, aren't, aren't that. And so it's understanding now what our response is. He says, therefore, let us stop making or stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, somebody say instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacles in the way of a brother or sister. If you don't eat me because of your convictions and I invite you over and I'm cooking me, I'm causing you to stumble. I'm causing you to fail. If you are very adamant about worshiping on Saturday and you choose not to worship on any other day because this is what you believe and I invite you to church on Sunday, I am causing you to stumble. 
I'm causing you to question your convictions, potentially even leading you to sin. And so we've got to be so careful. Remember, what does the passage say? It says, do it unto the Lord. And if I just go back to that for a moment, I just imagine what in life, if we said everything I do, everything I say, every place I go to, I will do it unto the Lord. Come on, the things that I eat, I will do it unto the Lord. The things that I drink, I will do it unto the Lord. Some of you are like, great, I'm 15 beers deep. I'm doing it unto the Lord. That, that's, not, that's not doing it unto the Lord, all right? But, I, but I'm, I'm doing it unto the Lord. The day that I worship, I'm doing it unto the Lord. The day that I, the, the things that I decide to eat, I'm doing it unto the Lord. And so, yes, you have some convictions, but your convictions also have boundaries. Because you can take things to the extreme. You can become more liberal or you can become more legalistic and we want to avoid that. So he says you got to be careful not to cause other people to sin. You got to be careful not to put stumbling blocks in the way. I, I was with a friend, worked with him for a couple years. He was, he was celebrating two years of sobriety. He was uh, abstaining from, from alcohol. He was an ex-alcoholic. You know, and two years, is the day's coming up and me and my friend were like, well, we're going to celebrate, man. That's amazing. Two years. And so we're going to take him out to eat and so we're on our way to a sports bar. And uh, we, we were innocent, I promise you, in this. He looked at me and he said, where are we going? I said, we're going so-and-so. He said, I'll never forget this. He said, do you realize that you are taking an ex-alcoholic who has just celebrated two years of staying sober to celebrate his soberness by going to a bar? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so we took him to CC's Pizza and we celebrated there. <laughs> no, uh, no alcohol and quality food, by the way. We've got to be, that's, that's my opinion, we've got, to be, we've got to be extremely careful not to push people to sin in their own hearts, but we must make every effort to behave in such a way where we are loving and understanding. And uh, I'm going to, there's like four more verses. Look at verse 15. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken as of evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, don't you dare let a piece of God-blessed food become an occasion of soul poisoning. I love that. Don't let your, don't you dare let a piece of God-blessed food become an occasion of soul poisoning. We, we have liberty in Jesus. We have freedom uh, in Jesus, and that is good. Come on, somebody say that's good. I'm thankful for that. I, I am so thankful for that. I'm thankful that God didn't, or Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. I'm so, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Right? I'm, I'm glad. I, I like animals, you know? They're great to pet and great to eat. You know, I, I like that. I'm so thankful that we don't have to abide by those rules anymore, you know? But, but, but it's understanding that our, our liberties and our freedoms have boundaries. And if it's causing people to sin, it's causing people to stumble, then, then we are in the wrong. And we have to, we have convictions, but somebody else has another set of convictions. We have to be careful not to cause anybody else to sin. And here's how he kind of wraps this up in verse 19. He says, let us therefore make every effort. Somebody say every effort. Make every, I know I have not made every effort. I promise you that. 
I want to, and I, I think you could probably say the same thing, Jacob, I haven't made every effort, but make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Wow. I believe that the church is supposed to be unified. I believe that the church around us is supposed to be unified. The big C church is supposed to be unified. The believers in the church are to be unified. And I think issues like this, we have, there's way bigger things that we need to fight for, that we need to make stances for, that we need to hold our ground for. And we've done that as a church. And I'm thankful for my dad, our senior pastor, who's taken stances like that. We honor that. We recognize that. We know he's, he is hearing from God. And so we take stances. We're bold about that. We're vocal about that. You might get slightly offended, but we're not here to preach what's pleasing to your ears because the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. It'll cause you to change your ways, change your speech, change how you dress, change how you look, change how you talk. It'll cause everything inside of you to change. And some people just don't want that. So we got bigger issues, all right? But these issues, the things that are dividing the church over small things that don't matter, come on. You have your belief, I have my belief, you're right, and I'm right. And that's it. And uh, so let's do everything we can. Here's three things. I don't know if you can write this down real quick or type this down or just remember it. Some of you are great at doing that. Number one, God has given you convictions to live by. So live by them. God has given you convictions to live by, so live by them. Number two, if someone in Christ has a different set of convictions, don't judge them. If someone in Christ has a different set of convictions, don't judge them. And number three, this is a little bit longer. Yield your behavior to the one with stronger convictions so that you might not cause them to stumble. Yield your behavior to the, you spell yield, by the way, Y-I-E, not Y-E-I, just in case you're wondering if you're spelling it. Yield your behavior to the one with stronger convictions so that you might not cause them to stumble. Come on, can we stand to our feet? Father, we just thank you so much, God. We, we are so encouraged by the reading of your word. The truth is, God, I don't need to say anything else. I just could have just read it all and that was it. But I'm thankful for the revelation that you've given me, the revelations that you've given each and every one of us. And Father God, would you open up our hearts, open up our minds to see you in a new way so that we can see people in a new way. The two greatest commandments in the Bible are to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind and strength and to love our neighbor as ourself. And God, you've, you've said that we're better than that arguing about the meaningless things. We're better than that about arguing about the disputable things. But God, can we, can we agree on the things that matter? Fight for the things that matter. Like Jesus is the hope of the world. You are the hope of the world. Would we do everything and anything, God, to rethink the way that we've been behaving so that people can come to know you, that people far from God would have a revelation convicted and brought upon by your Holy Spirit to, to bring them into the community of believers, God? Would we fight for that? Would we fight for that? Jesus, you are a living hope, and so we worship you because you have set us free by dying on the cross. If you haven't got anything else out of this church, just, just walk away with this. It's Christ and it's Christ crucified. That's it. It's about Christ and his crucifixion. That's it. So God, let us focus on that. Come on, let us believe in that. Come on, can we just worship him? Can we thank him for who he is?
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.